My love does not change for my kids when I give them a kiss goodbye, but their experience of my love changes. They really experience my love in a physical way. And so that's one way to get at just the beauty of, of the sacraments. Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I'm your host, Ross, joined again by Dan and Sean, and we are wrapping up our season on the well-worn path, sadly. Uh, but we are excited for today's uh, topic, which is last but certainly not least, uh, sacraments. Um, in in the con- one of the confessions of our church, it's listed as one of the ordinary means of grace. So if you want to talk about well-worn paths, this is one of the paths to experiencing and, and really receiving God's grace that uh, we are called to be doing regularly. And so uh, I'm really excited to talk about this. But before we dive into sacraments, Sean, do you mind giving um, our church a little preview of this, the season we're going to go into after this? Yeah, the I, we haven't come up with a clever name for it yet necessarily, but it's basically going to be me, Dan, and Ross sitting around talking about our feelings. Um, I'm yes. just kidding. That's kind of kind of a joke there. But we are going to be talking about emotions in our next season and uh, really the fact that emotions are a gift from God. And we're going to be tying these to the Psalms, especially the Psalms really give words and language to the emotions that we feel and experience. Um, and just really talking about how those things are actually beneficial to us, to our lives as believers um, and as we even relate to God. So uh, I think that's going to be a really enjoyable season and maybe push us out of our comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be really helpful, too, just because we've all had, I think, a great deal of emotion over the past year. And I think how we have handled it or not handled it well has led to challenges, conflicts. And so I think even as we dig into the Psalms, this is going to help us think about our life now. And so don't don't shy away because you're like, who wants to listen to, like Sean said, three guys talking about emotions. But I think it's going to flow into a lot of our daily life and how we interact with the Lord and with each other. So I think it's really important. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So uh, talking about sacraments, we got just three questions before us today. Uh, What are sacraments? What do they do? And how should we engage with them? What are sacraments? What do they do? How should we engage with them? So first of all, what are sacraments? And Augustine probably put it most simply. He said a sacrament is a visible form of an invisible grace. And if you think about it throughout scripture, God, you know, he created this whole world. Uh, he, he loves the material side of this world. And he delights to use material signs to affirm and to reinforce his spoken word. I mean, you think about Um, the rainbow after the ark, you think about Passover, you think about the temple um, and and circumcision, and, and, you know, we'll get into Lord's Supper and um, baptism. Uh, You know, God delights to to use these physical things to um, communicate something. And, you know, a question that's come up in our study of this, guys, is just why sacraments? You know, does God give us these things because he hasn't explained himself enough? does he need to have these? You know, why do you think, what, what do you think was God's heart behind this? That's a great question. I mean, it's a little speculative, but not, not completely. I mean, you see throughout the Old Testament, God knew we were earthly creatures. We, we have five senses, and I think in his kindness to us, he uses all of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether 
It was in memorials, big stones of remembrance or different ways that he invited us to worship. He knew we needed to be engaged in that way. And then he gave us the sacraments, signs of his promise to be done and kind of in perpetuity. You know, one of the things we haven't mentioned is really we we see there being two sacraments, um, baptism and the Lord's Supper, kind of the fulfillment of uh, circumcision and baptism. That's a whole nother series we could go into. And our, our goal in this session, just so you know, is more to say, how do we use these as a means of grace in our yeah. life versus going into the deep theological things that have been debated for centuries? But I think God does it for our sake because we want we want to see and feel and taste and experience God promises mm. uh, in a multiplicity of ways. And so in kindness, he's he's given us these things to do until he comes again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his character has never changed in, in throughout redemptive history and we see the the expression of the covenant in, in the old covenant and now the new covenant in different ways and so I think just to reinforce that 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 it's a it's really just an accommodation to us, right? He he loves mm-hmm. us so much. It's an outpouring of his love that he has made himself known to us in physical ways and in ways that we can understand him a little bit better because he loves us. It's it simply flows out of his character and who he is by nature. Yeah, yeah. I, one person put it, um, you know, God doesn't need to have sacraments. We should know and trust what he says is true. You know, God doesn't lie, but in his kindness, um, he he gives us this to to really help us understand and in a way that we can understand. So, uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, one of the catechisms of our church tries to put it simply of, of what a sacrament is, the Lord's Supper and baptism. They are a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein by sensible signs, Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. And I think two words out of there that are most often used to try to explain what a sacrament is, is just the idea of sign and seal. Sacraments are signs and seals. Dan, do you mind just kind of helping explain a little bit of that language? Sure. Uh, one of the most common ones I, I use on Sundays is the idea of a sign. You'll see the sign for Raleigh, um, but the the sign itself isn't Raleigh. It's letting you know that there's this greater reality here or the sign of a wedding ring. It's a sign of a promise, a vow, a relationship. Uh, it's part of this tactile vow that's made to each other, like it's a, a an expression of something deeper. And so that's the sign piece it points to or is a symbol of something. Or even, you know, if you think about entering, think of people as they were coming to the United States and they saw the Statue of Liberty, the sign of welcome. Hmm. You know, it has a symbol of something deeper and richer. Mm-hmm. And and then the seal part, uh, I use often like a king who takes it, wax and melts it and puts his signet ring. They're like, hey, this is my promise. Or uh, any of you um, sports cards collectors, you know, you'll have a, a seal of approval that this is an official card, that this is legit. Mm-hmm. And and so it's saying that what's promised is is true. That mm. the Lord has said, yeah, this is yeah, and amen. This is my truth, and I, I'm putting my authority behind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was reading some recently that, that talked about that idea of sign and, and they, they're fine with that language, but they said, I think the word symbol is almost even a little more helpful. And you were using that word a little bit, especially with Statue of Liberty. Um, you know, a, a symbol doesn't just point to something beyond itself. It actually participates in the reality a little bit itself. And he used the example of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. 
and how um, it doesn't just point to a war that happened, but there's a, a way in which you almost experience some of that war um, as you're there. It's, it's, it's an eerie silence. There's all, they just write all the names to try to get you to feel just all the death that happened. And um, even the art artistry, it's torn into the ground a little bit to express this kind of uh, the, the roughness of the war and, and that whole period. Can I, um, can I jump in just yeah. for, my dad is a Vietnam veteran. Yeah. And so I've been there with him before yeah. and mm. I can absolutely, I'm going to fight tears here, but like mm. just to watch him go up to the names of his wow. friends wow. And, um, and experience that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You're right. Like this, it's a, it paints a picture of, of, of jumping into the reality and being present in the reality. And yeah, anyway, so I would just, as someone who's seen someone else who participated in yeah. the war, experienced that memorial it's deeply moving and it it, yeah. it it did something to me even watching him. So I, I think it, it even presents as a witness to, to those around us too, as we participate in some of these signs and symbols. Um, anyway, so yeah, no, I, jump in. I yeah. appreciate you sharing that. That's, yeah. that's really helpful. Um, because I think that is some of what's so helpful about the sacraments is, you know, they, they're, they're not just signs, they're symbols. They, they, they point in a really helpful way. And, and Calvin put this really interestingly. He said how um, just as bread nourishes, sustains, and keeps life in our body, so Christ's body is the only food to invigorate and enliven our soul. Mm. And then he talks about the wine and how wine nourishes our soul. Uh, the, the cup nourishes our souls like wine nourishes the body. It refreshes, it strengthens, and I love this, it gladdens. Mm. Thinking about how wine gladdens the body and how Christ gladdens our soul. And so, yeah, I think those are, that's a, it's a helpful summary, sign and seal, sign or symbol and seal. And um, yeah, like a, like a seal, like you were saying, Dana, the sign and the promise are intimately tied you know, think about in Genesis 17, the, the, the sign and seal of circumcision. It literally says, circumcision is my covenant. Mm -hmm. It's a physical word to re be received by faith, by faith. So when the promise is attached to the sign, then to see one is really to see the other. There, there is this really intimate um, spiritual bond that we'll get into a little bit more later. And finally, I, I, I wanted to add this as well. What are sacraments? And, and one author has said, they are the kisses of God. You know, you think about, you know, I've got two little kids who always want me to give them a kiss before I leave the house for work. And so why do we kiss our loved ones? Um, it's not just because we love them, but also in order uh, to love them. And what I mean by that is in order that they would know and experience the love more fully. My love does not change for my kids when I give them a kiss goodbye, but their experience of my love changes. They really experience my love in a physical way. And so that's one way to get at just the beauty of, of the sacraments. So let's dive a little deeper. What do the sacraments do? Uh, we got four things we want to talk about. The first thing is that the sacraments, they offer us Jesus. Robert Bruce, um, who wrote on the Lord's Supper in, in the 19th century, he said something really helpful. He said, um, at the table at least, and this um, it applies to the table, but it gets this idea of oh, offering Jesus. At the table, you don't get a better Christ, but you get Christ better. Hmm. 
And so the table doesn't give you more than what you've been offered in the gospel, but you, you get Christ better. Um, and that's just this idea that, that um, Christ uses the sacraments to, to help us experience them in a, in, a, in a way that we wouldn't be able to um, without them. And, and a couple passages that help this idea. For baptism, 1 Peter 3, it's, it's, um, it says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. And as Protestants, we, we may squirm a little bit when we hear that, but you got to keep reading. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. And so what is he saying there? It's not the water over your body is a one-to-one removal of your sins. That's not what he's saying about baptism saves you. You have to keep reading. But as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. So how does baptism save? It's, it's not the baptism itself. It's what the baptism is offering. It's offering you Christ and the work of Christ. And it's, it's pointing you to but helping really communicate and apply the, the work of Christ in a, in a unique way. And so the sign and the promise of Christ are intimately connected. Someone has said that baptism is a liquid word. Hmm. So um, that's some of that idea that it offers us Christ. In the Lord's Supper, you think of 1 Corinthians 10, the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And those are really... Um, really helpful word. That's a really helpful word there. Participation. It's the word koinonia. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what is it saying? When we eat and drink, when we eat the bread and drink the cup, it's not just the material bread and cup, but we are really in a spiritual way receiving the work of Christ and everything he is for us. They offer us Jesus. Um, and, And Calvin was really helpful here. You know, there's, there's the Catholic understanding of this, and the Lutheran's very close of that. It literally physically becomes it, and we can't get into all the details of why we disagree with that. But then the, the opposite extreme is Zwingli, who said there's nothing, but it's just a remembrance. There's nothing you know, mysterious or anything that goes on. It's just a way to help us remember Jesus. But Calvin was actually very groundbreaking for his day. He, talks, he kind of um, has a third way, and he talks about spiritual presence and how there's, there's a way the Holy Spirit connects us to Christ in a mysterious but powerful way through the sacraments. Anything else you guys would want to add to any of that? They offer us Jesus? Yeah, I think that's a helpful phrase because sometimes we think of grace as this almost ethereal substance that we're trying to get and strengthen mm. us. And... Um, one person said that Christ is the giver and Christ is the gift. Hmm. And so uh, another way um, is to think of the sacraments as visible sermons. So we're, we're preaching Christ crucified and risen, and we're seeing that in the sacraments. You know, So we'll say things like we want to be a church that sings the Bible, prays the Bible, preaches the Bible, and sees the Bible. And we hmm. see it, and more than see it, but we see it in the sacraments. And then yeah. we also taste it and we touch it. Um, so I, th- I think that's helpful because, again, rather than grace being this spiritual pixie dust, mm-hmm. you know, in a kind of a crass way, we're, we're receiving Jesus. And yeah. all these things point us to the reality of who he is. And uh, one guy called, um, one forefather called uh, the Lord's Supper the Feast of the Cross. Mm. So, you know, we're immersing ourselves in thinking about and feeding upon by faith what Christ has done and also what it 
happens to do in the future, right? There's a past, a present, and future element, even as we experience the sacraments. Yeah. Um, this was this has been one of the hardest things for me to get to get um, to experience uh, more fully as I transitioned out of the Catholic Church and and into um, an evangelical Protestant church, mm. right? And just really understanding the by faith piece and mm. and that we get more of Christ. It's not the ritual itself that is that is strengthening our spirit. It's not right. It's not the it's it's not participating in it in it just for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so this this has been a, an incredible challenge to me, um, mm. and I've had to just be. I've just had to, you know, this is fascinating to study because I think it, it really helps us reorient and order things rightly as we think about the sacraments. And get, and, and I, I still have to fight getting out of the ritualistic sort of just for its own sake. Um, so mm-hmm. ha- offering us Jesus, that's a huge, I'm glad we started there. Um, yeah. So it's been incredibly helpful for me, even as I've had to wrestle with my understanding of the sacraments. Yeah, Calvin summarized, I say that Christ is the matter or the substance of all the sacraments, for in him they have all their firmness, and they do not promise anything apart from him. Mm. So first of all, they offer us Jesus. Second, they confirm God's promise to us. And we've kind of used that language of a seal. That's how they're a seal to us. And so, you know, let's go a little deeper into that and, and kind of break it down with baptism and Lord's Supper. Baptism communicates three things. It co- communicates the forgiveness of sins. Peter uses that language when he talks about it in Acts 2. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So it, it really seals to our conscience that it actually is true that we're forgiven. Just as much as you see water can clean something off, your your sins are forgiven. And then, But it also communicates regeneration. Titus 3 uses this language. The washing, talks about the washing of regeneration. It's referring to baptism there. And Romans 6 also talks about this, where Paul says you were buried with him in baptism in order to, to go into a new life, that we are a new person. And then finally, incorporation. Uh, and that's that's another way that especially that's connected to circumcision, that, that it's, it's a sign of, of being entered into the people of God. And uh, one person I was reading, he, he, he really drew out, think of all the identities that we have, a spouse, our family name, our work we do, you know, our ethnicity or our race, the geography where we come from, are we from the West, are we from the South? And we tie our identity on those things, our sports team. Um, but, but baptism gives, is, is such a way to, to help us remind ourselves of our identity in Christ you know, Galatians 3.27, we are baptized into Jesus, and it's the identity that overrides all of the others. And then um, the Lord's Supper communicates um, almost those three things, except instead of incorporation, it's more this idea of maturation or growing or, or communing or, or relating to Christ. You know, baptism kind of signifies our union with Christ, and Lord's Supper more our communion with Christ um, as his family. Um, and it's a family meal. So forgiveness, of course, is communicated, the blood and the, the body and blood of Christ, regeneration, that those make us new, but then, but growth. Um, and as a part of this is just that idea that those who are able to discern the body and blood are the ones who take it. So, yeah, they confirm God's promise to us. Anything you guys would want to add to that one? And then third, they bestow their benefits only on those who receive them by faith. This actually is an important point to make. Um, sacraments do nothing for you unless they're received by faith. There is a, a participation um, involved. 
Yeah, I think that's important because it gets to, again, thinking of the sacrament as valuable in and of itself, that it Mm -hmm. has this own power to operate apart from faith. Mm -hmm. But again, if we tie it to, it's a visible sermon, well, how do we receive the preaching of the Word of God? By faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do we receive Christ? By faith. How do we receive him at the Lord's Supper? By faith. How do we receive him at baptism um, as a as a body it's it's by faith again mm-hmm. not necessarily the one being baptized um, so I think that is significant because it is this response and again you can also think of them as covenant renewal ceremonies mm. in some ways yeah and so it again it is is that part of saying okay if I'm in this covenant God's making these promises and I am responding to them I am saying yes and amen and so even as you looked at circumcision as kind of entrance into the covenant community, similarly, so is baptism. And, and the Lord's Supper is this continuance in the covenant community. These, these are my people. This is my Lord. Uh, I'm staying and walking with him. Uh, that covenant renewal piece, again, it's, it's by faith. And that resting, trusting, believing, acting on the promises of God. So yeah. that's significant. And why we ask people at the Lord's Supper when we fence the table and what that means again we just say hey God says this is a family meal and if you're not don't have faith in him it doesn't do you any good to, to eat this bread yeah. or drink this cup yep. because it's by faith that they actually have meaning and it actually can do you harm as Paul warns in First Corinthians 11 yeah yeah no I, I appreciate you drawing that part out I'm glad we were able to cover that too and this final one it's it's very similar to number three but it's just this idea they call for a response from us. And, and Dan, you were kind of getting at that. And so it's a little different. I mean, we're in the moment to receive them by faith, but there's also this response that they mm-hmm. call from us. And, and so to use both baptism and Lord's Supper as examples, your, your past baptism has present relevance. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it really calls you to a new life. And, and Romans 6 is the main passage for this. You know, Paul is dealing with this question of now that we're saved by grace, you know, can we just go on sinning now and and not care anymore? And and he uses, he borrows the most extreme language available in the Greek language of how to say no. And an English translates it. It can't get the full, but it says by no means, but what does he appeal to? He appeals to baptism Mm. to exhort them to holy living. You, you have been baptized in Christ. You are a new creation. Um, and so it's, it's living into that. Um, and you know, there's also think of it another way. Another part of this is maybe you're there on a Sunday and feeling guilt over something that happened that week and, and baptism communicates that there is no condemnation. Mm. And so there's a response of, of, of faith of, of my sins are forgiven. They're washed away. And, and that's, you know, one of the encouraging things. So if you're, you're witnessing one that it can, it can have that effect. Um, and maybe you're, in, you're there on a Sunday and you're entangled in a sin, um, a besetting sin. You know, witnessing a baptism, it, it calls you to repentance. It calls you to, to be reminded that you um, are a new creation called to holy living. Yeah, I think there are two phrases that I've heard used in the past that are helpful. One is um, improve your baptism, which mm-hmm. sounds like a weird thing. We Again, like, am I doing works to make myself better? No, but it's that, that I become more of what I've been promised to be, right? Yeah. So it's, in sense, this, I am a child of God. Let me live more fully as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus. And and even as we think about 
church discipline, there's such a proactive side to that. How do we train ourselves? And and there's a time that we, uh, there's another phrase, grab, grab your children by their baptism mm. and remind them of like, no, this is who you're engaged to be. This is whose name is on you. And do you see your inconsistency? Do you, do you see and helping, helping us and helping our children, our grown children wrestle with, wait, am I, am I living and walking in this Mm -hmm. covenant or am I kind of trying to throw it off Mm -hmm. and to challenge them on that? And again, I think that's another way that we can use these sacraments of baptism, not merely the Lord's supper to say, these promises are for you. They're beautiful. Yeah. And you should run after them. And I think the, the, the operative question there, it's an exercise. You said this earlier, Dan, it's an exercise in trust. Do we really believe what the baptism signifies? Do we trust in, in God to continue to yeah. um, improve our baptism on our behalf as we engage and trust and, and take the things that we uh, tend to uh, not trust him with and put them in a box and give them to him, right? Like, mm-hmm. do we do that? Is that an active part of our of improving our baptism? It really just continuing to die to ourselves, right? It's an, yeah. it's an act of trust, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and the Lord's Supper is the same way. Um, it communicates a vertical reality, but with horizontal implications. And 1 Corinthians 11 is the main example here. Um, the Corinthian church was very divided um, in, in multiple ways. And, and the story, the context of 1 Corinthians 11 is very fascinating, where the, um, there were multiple lines on which the church was divided. Um, ethnic lines, but also um, socioeconomic lines. And, you know, the, the rich were kind of partaking Lord's Supper over by themselves and, and neglecting and kind of eating all the food before everyone else could. And and so Paul's response to the, the division in this church is interestingly to point them to the Lord's Supper. Um, just to say to them, whatever divisions there are outside the world, they don't exist in here. And, um, and the, the table uh, really calls us to our unity in Christ as God's people. And uh, Matthew 5, um, I don't know, Dan, if you were looking at that, but Matthew 5 is also um, gets at some of that idea. Yeah, just that idea on your way to worship. If you realize there's this conflict, you got to set it right, you yeah. know. And uh, I think that is a real challenge because, mm-hmm. again, especially if we're looking at worship and the sacraments individually, and miss the corporate nature of we, the church, mm-hmm. uh, and the horizontal aspect that you mentioned, we can miss that and we can allow problems and relationships to continue to fester, whether it's with our spouse or our children, another member. And this is an opportunity as we come to the Lord's table to be reminded of what our greatest union is and, yeah. and, and connection is, is our unity in Christ. Yeah. And I'll go back to John Calvin again, folks, uh, if you haven't realized by now, he one of his strengths in his all of his writings is he really articulates both sacraments very well. Uh, but he says the table is there to strengthen you to then walk out the door and love your neighbor. And so that's sort of the idea of what do the sacraments do? They offer us Jesus. They confirm God's promise to us. They bestow their benefits on those who receive them by faith, and they call for a response from us. So finally... How are we then as God's people to engage with the sacraments? And some of this we've hit on a little bit already, um, but I think it's helpful to just kind of summarize this little bit different question. How are we to engage with them? Uh, So 
I think we're going to look at three things. And the first one is eagerly. We're to engage with them eagerly. We're to come to the sacraments hungry for Jesus. Um, one illustration from a Richard Sibbs, he says, if you're a farmer and someone tells you you're guaranteed a good harvest, um, do you think the person's going to be uh, more or less eager to then go out and till the soil and plant the seed and work it? Um, and of course, the answer is they are much more eager to get out and, and work it. And, um, you know, you think about our life in Christ, where we are told that our labor will not be in vain, that our, our labor for Christ will be fruitful, um, and that we will grow. And um, if that's the case, should we not therefore give ourselves to the means of grace that God has provided for us to strengthen us and encourage us on that journey? Uh, so we, we have been told that, that our, our labor will not be in vain, and so let's lean into the means that God has given us um, with eagerness to grow in our faith and to be nourished. Um, and so we should come to engage in, a, in, in the sacraments um, not just as a ritual, but as those starving for Jesus and those who believe that he is sitting there waiting for us to feed us. One, one person I was listening to was talking about that and just the idea of just Jesus sitting there waiting for us to feed us richly with the only food that really satisfies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eagerly, but also responsively. And that's, that's a lot of what we just talked about in the previous point. Um, but just really engaging them with this sense of asking God that you would not leave this moment unchanged, that God would um, really convict, but also encourage you. Um, he would forgive you your sins, but empower you to to move towards growth. And um, I think this is important. We can often think of, and we've gotten about, we've talked about this a little bit already, but I think we can, it's pretty easy to th- for us to think about how to actively engage in the Lord's Supper, but we also need to remember this when there's a baptism in church, um, that, um, that we are to engage in the sacrament of baptism, even if it's not us, we are still called as God's people to engage in that actively, to, to be encouraged by it. And then as Dan was saying, you know, just be reminded of improving your baptism, and um, so I, I wanted to at least make that point. Yeah, and actually, Redeemer, we are pretty fortunate to have someone who helps us engage responsibly and eagerly with baptisms. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: if I know a baptism's coming up, I am excited for the service. And part of the reason is because we get to see the waterworks start to flow for <laughs> Dan. Um, uh, no, but really, it helps me. It really helps me engage eagerly and responsibly during the baptism. Dan, could you just talk about why you? Like what, what happens when you're doing a baptism and why, why does it make you so emotional? I think if, if anyone has seen Dan do a baptism or two, he, we know he's, he gets emotional. Can you just talk about that? Yeah. Um, first, most people know I hate that fact. I wish I could control it, but, um, we love it. Well, (laughs) yeah. Uh, well, moving on. Um, I think I actually hadn't really thought about that question until you just asked it kind of in our prep. And I think, actually, I'm tearing up a little now, because of the beauty of God's promises, mm. you know, that it, it it's not just for us, but for our children and their children. And to be with a congregation for, you know, thankfully over a decade, and to know with some of those families, not always, but some of the hard things we've walked through, mm-hmm. or that they're going to walk through with their children, um, that those promises remain true. So for me, it's not sentimental in that sense, like, oh, isn't this sweet? And I love them, 
you know, and all the tradition, it's like this is a gift of God that is beyond what we can experience, what we can, you know, it's what we hope in. We don't hope in our good parenting. We don't hope in the right schools. We hope Mm. in the promises of God. And I get to put that sign of, of hope on these children. Yeah. You know, because again, later in life, you know, just even our own story, it reminds me that the story's not over when it's a a dark chapter, Mm. that the promise is bigger and brighter and more powerful than that season maybe of my discouragement or my fear or hopelessness. And so there's this richness of all that God promises to us as parents and to our children in the hope of the gospel that is there. And so there's just, um, yeah, it was a great question because I haven't really kind of dug, dug into it. You know, there's something about the gospel that should make our hearts weep, both with joy and sorrow. Right, and so particularly the Lord's table, what does it mean to respond? We're coming with sorrow, and yet joy, forgiven, um, when we can't even forgive ourselves, when we're more arrogant and proud to than to allow God's forgiveness to permeate us. Um, so I think I think that's some of why. Let me tell you this: when when Lily was getting baptized. I was up there and my mind started racing to her future. I was thinking, mm. gosh, it's this is this is really neat. I had to slow myself down because there's just a lot going on. My family was here. It was just it was like a zoo, um, like a circus. But I had to get myself out of that ma- mm. mindset and just really think about this is the coolest thing because this is something I know will stay true when she's a mm. teenager and when mm. we're fighting on typical things and yep. when we're battling about like these these are things I can rest on, mm. I can trust in, I can. Right. Uh, go back to and that's what the like so Dan that's why I say it's helpful to us because it's yeah. not helpful because we get to see your emotional side it's helpful because it shows us that you are profoundly trusting in these things and and to see yeah. and to have that example is really helpful for a young parent who's sitting there looking at it, her their baby and and thinking about they're going to be a teenager someday they're going to fight me someday they're going to say that they hate me they're going to say that you know there's going to be things yeah. that are going to happen right that that but I can rest on some of these some of these truths um assuredly right like yep. it's, it's certain so yeah. thank you for answering that I, sure. think, I don't hopefully that was helpful but yeah and then um dan i think you had a third category so eagerly responsively yeah and then corporately we've kind of hinted hinted at that throughout but i think too often we can see both corporate or sunday worship and the sacraments just merely individualistically, obviously yeah. there is, because you have to exercise faith. I can't mm-hmm. exercise faith for you. But we're together as the body. We're yeah. you know, part to the identity. We're, we're family. Mm-hmm. And so there is that horizontal aspect. you know. So we talked about Matthew 5, and do you have conflict that needs to be resolved before you come to worship or before you come to the Lord's Supper? And, um, and Brad, I think, was one who kind of shared this as... <clears throat> His practice was he would, I think at their church, maybe people came up regularly and he would just watch and he would pray for that person as they went. Mm. Realizing this is my brother and sister in Christ. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray that this sacrament is beneficial to them, that it strengthens their faith and encourages them, feeds them. And so I think even just looking around as, as we celebrate together to realize like, this is my family. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're like, this is my family, right? It's some right. of both. And that's what family is. And so I think it's really important to remember the corporate piece. Yeah. 
That actually brings up another question. I don't know. I hope we have time for it. But yep. the other question I had was so a couple a few years ago in high school, Sunday school, we asked the kids the question, what is going through your mind while the elements of uh, the Lord's Supper are being distributed? So we mm-hmm. have this time where we have this maybe acapella music, right? Or not acapella, the op- opposite, instrumental, just an instrumental version of a song. And it's meant for us to maybe stir some meditation or just some prayer or what, you know, whatever. So I, I'm curious, like what's going on in the minds of our people and, and maybe for you guys to even answer too, while we're, we have that time between Dan, you know, admit, uh, fencing the table and then sending the elders out to administer the elements. And then b- before we take the element together as, you know, corporately, um, what's going on in your minds? Mm. I'd love to know that because for me, I sort of fall back on some of the good things that I remember from the Catholic tradition that I, it was sort of this, there was some, not solemnness, but at least this quiet kind of meditation and really considering what Mm. this means. Uh, So for me, I try and try and sit in that, but what are you guys doing? What's going on in your heads? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, I think one of the many joys of being a pastor is getting to administer the sacraments. Um, and so I, I take great joy, um, in doing it. And, um, I think part of the reason why it can be so helpful for pastors is we know the stories of everyone sitting there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I'm passing out the bread and the cup to different families, like I know what they're wrestling with and I know, um, maybe what they've been able to work through or maybe what right now is really discouraging them. And so I think there is some, some advantage, um, that I have when I'm administering that, um, can help make that that moment um, so much more encouraging, um, and just I, it make, gives me even more eagerness in administering it. Of just like you need this, you know. I, I'm so glad to here's the bread in the cup. Be encouraged. Um, but I think it's just past, present, future. Um, one of it's kind of depends on the day of, of how I engage with it. But it's you, something to do with you know, one of those three, or if not all three, but just past, just, you know, trying to really, um, allow it to, um, remind me of, of the, the work of Christ. And, uh, as I'm chewing the bread, I'm just thinking about Christ's body being broken, uh, that Isaiah 53, that he was bruised for our iniquities. And then as I drink the cup, I think about how this should have been my blood. Mm. Um, I'm the one who broke the covenant, um, and, and, and just that reality. But then presently, I try to think about things I'm struggling with, um, sins that I have, and I just try to let the elements um, that just, just say, as surely as I taste this, you know, in my mouth, so this is removed from me and that I've, there is no condemnation. Um, and, and then future, I think there's a sense in which it's to point us to the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so it's just this anticipation that it can build in me of like, God, I cannot wait um, to to do this um, in the way that it's mm-hmm. supposed to be um, with you um, in glory. Uh, so that's a, that's a little bit. I, it, there's definitely other things I could say, but that would be the best summary. Yeah, I think one writer who wrote a whole book just on on how to participate in the Lord's Supper talked about it that's one of the places where we're exercising faith what does it look like and you just kind of said that how are we trusting in god in the past present and future and i like how he said it we're we're appealing to god we're replying to satan so like those doubts Mm, like you're not worthy this is terrible i'm terrible and applying it to yourself how can how can the the work of the cross uh, apply to my guilt and my shame how can it set me free 
And then uh, he says this, um, Here, O my soul, here is pardoning blood, it is yours. Here is quickening blood, softening blood, it is yours. Here is justifying blood, this belongs to you. And he says it will draw forth faith to do its work at the Last Supper. And so I think trying to pause, and it's it's easy to get hey, what is that song they're playing? Do I know that song? What are the words of that song? Mm -hmm. Maybe you know it and you can sing it. That's great. Uh, Or, hey, if someone walks by, oh, I like those shoes, you know. Instead, to be proactive and saying like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pray for Sean. You know, I'm thankful that he's working with our students. Uh, Pray that the Lord would strengthen him here. So you could even do the corporate thing some, right? I think it's, it's a both and. And like you said, different things at different times. There may be something from the sermon, the preached word, yeah. That you can apply to the visible word and say, mm-hmm. Lord, make this true for me or put this to death for me. or So, again, trying to make it about the feast of the cross. Mm-hmm. And and then how can I, uh, by faith, make these promises richer and truer and feed my soul and benefit my brothers and sisters? So, man, we could talk about that for hours, and we probably don't have enough instruction on that. So I think it's no. a really good question. Well, yeah, as we think about this being a habit of grace, a way that we're experiencing uh, experiencing God, then, yeah, I, I think it's helpful to consider. I would encourage anyone who's listening to consider, what do you do during that time, and is it intentional, and do you see the corporate and the individual uh, reflections? The, that's an opportunity to be able to do some of those things. So. Let's tell the question on you, Sean. How, oh, how would you answer so, that? Um, there's a, there was a call at the, in the Catholic Church. We have a lot of call and responses as a part of the service. One of the one I don't even remember what the call from the priest was, but the response was, I'm not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Mm-hmm. And I reflect on that. Mm-hmm. If I don't know what else to do, I reflect <clears throat> on that. Like, I am not worthy, yeah. but it's him who makes me worthy, right? Yeah. Like, it's, Je- it's Christ's uh, uh, righteousness that's given to me that makes me yeah. worthy. And, and his sacrifice is final and, and complete and, um, and sufficient. Mm. And so I, if I don't know what else to do, I just recite that in my head a little bit and really ponder and what that means and just give thanks for his finished and complete work. And then other, other than that, I just, I pray for, I tend to pray for my family, mm. um, which I, not enough time to go into that story, but um, raised in the Catholic church, but they're no longer going to church. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I just, I pray for them. Cool. Uh, I spend time doing that. Like I wish that they could just taste and see that the Lord is good. And, mm-hmm. and anyway, yeah. so some of that. That's cool. Well, I'll close with a um, quote from my favorite systematic theologian, uh, Herman Bavink, good, good Dutch uh, thinker and, and believer. He said, for maturing believers, therefore, the sacraments do not gradually decrease in importance, but continually gain in value to the eye of faith they ever more beautifully and glorious, gloriously display the riches of God's grace. For every believer and the whole church, they are proof of grace received, a sign of God's faithfulness, a basis for pleading one's case in prayer, a supporting pillar for one's faith, and an exhortation to new obedience. And may they be all of that to us as God's church. So that is a wrap, folks, on uh, not only talking about the sacraments, but also on this uh, season three, uh, well-worn paths, and I hope it's been helpful. I know it has been for us, and uh, may we um, really take advantage um, as, as that idea of, um, you know, this we are guaranteed a fruitful labor in, in our Christian life, and so let's really take to the soil and, and cultivate our faith through these 
well-worn paths. Um, we look forward to joining you again on our next season where we're talking about Psalms and the gift of emotions. And uh, be sure to tune in to that as well. Until then, grace and peace to you all. Family, pick up your shoes and dance.